Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. We are really knocking it out of the park in 2023. This is our sixth, actually we're moving into the seventh year of doing this show. And I'm so pleased to have collected so many wonderful stories and so many episodes with life tools for all of us to reference and use. There are just so many of them. So go back, go to the website, loveyourstorypodcast.com and access everything. And today, thanks for being here, continuing to enjoy the show, but we have even more. Today's guest is going to blow your mind. Lara Doyle is a New York Times bestselling author. Like that alone is wonderful, but she is also the star of Empowered Wives on Amazon Prime for any of you that watch that. She hosts the Empowered Wives podcast as well. On her homepage, it says, quote, I show women the proven way to fix their relationships without their man's conscious efforts, even if it seems completely hopeless, unquote. Well, to me, that sounds like magic, so I'm excited to learn from her. So stay tuned for three secrets to make your marriage happier and all the relationship magic that Ms. Lara is going to dish out to us in 30 minutes. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Are you ready for some incredible power tips? New York Times bestselling author Lara Doyle was the perfect wife until she actually got married. When she told her husband how to be tidier and more romantic and more ambitious, he avoided her. I bet that's something we can all relate with a little bit. So she dragged him to marriage counseling and she nearly divorced him. In desperation, she started to ask happily married women for their secrets. And that's when she got her miracle. The man who had wooed her returned. So she wrote a book to share what she had discovered. And it has now been translated into 19 languages in 30 countries and accidentally started a worldwide movement. So, oh, we're happy to have her here. She's the founder of the International Relationship Coach Training School called Lara Doyle Connect. Um, We'll have her contact information in the show notes so that you will be able to connect with her if you want. And as mentioned, she's the star of Empowered Wives on Amazon Prime and the creator of the Ridiculously Happy Wife program and the host of the Empowered Wife podcast. She's been on the Today Show, on Good Morning America, on The View, all the big stuff. She's the real thing. She's worked with over 15,000 women and helped them fix even the most hopeless relationships. Lara, drumroll, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. Absolutely. Okay, so Lara, let's start with your story. Um, We always go there first, and it sounds like it might start at a place where all women in marriages have been, a place of trying to help your husband be his best, at least That's how we see it, right? Yeah. Take it away. 
and I mean, I had been doing a lot in those regards. I was telling them how to be more ambitious and how he could be more romantic, certainly. And also how he could clean up better. Like, you know, fine, he did the dishes, but what about wiping off these countertops? And then I thought, gosh, this is just not working at all because he was more interested in watching a rerun on TV than he was in spending time with me or even in making love to me. And I just thought there's something really wrong with this man. It's not me, clearly. And so I thought I am going to take him to marriage counseling and that way the counselor can fix him and then I can finally be happy. Because I actually was really tired of all the big blow ups we were having, especially in the car. And then we would have these cold wars too, where there was no talking for days and it was just very tense. And then just like awkward roommates in the house. That's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting. Oh, and so it's so painful. It's so lonely. You kind of act like it's not, but it, um, but it really was, it was awful. So I remember I was, we, we got to marriage counseling. We went for like over a year and we spent like thousands of dollars, over $9,000. And um, I remember I was sitting on the counselor's gray couch when I thought, this is hopeless. He's never going to change. And we're too far apart. And I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless marriage or I can get divorced. And so I decided I would go ahead and get divorced because that seemed like the most logical thing to do. But there was just one problem. And that was I was too embarrassed to get divorced. People had been to the wedding not that many years before that. And I just felt like I was going to lose status from doing that. And everyone would know that I had failed in my marriage. And so I thought as a last ditch effort, I'm going to ask these women who have been married for what seemed like an eternity, which was 15 years, how they have managed to stay married and they seemed happy. So what are your secrets? I want to know what their secrets were. And they told me crazy things that I had never heard before and didn't make any sense. And funny thing, you know, my parents are divorced, right? So I was following a failed recipe and I was about to get the same results. But I decided that I had nothing to lose by experimenting with the nutty things that they told me. Yeah, I want so, to hear the remember, nutty things. What I'll tell you nutty the nutty things. things. I'll get you, I'll get you those <laughs> nutty things. Those nutty things turned out to be gold. That's good <laughs> stuff. So I remember I had been experimenting with them, like not even that long. When I, I remember one day I walked through the door and my husband saw, he looked up and saw me, saw that I was home and his face lit up. And he was happy to see me again. And then I've been gone. And so I thought, oh, something's working here. Like this, I think there are, they, who knew that the women with actual happy marriages would know what actually worked, right? To have a happy marriage. And so I knew I was onto something. I was so excited because I thought now I'm going to be able to have that, the marriage I dreamed I was going to have when I stood at the altar and said, I do. So I, because now I knew what to do. And so it was great. And so, um, and I thought we're never going to have those big old fights again, like, like we used to. And um, not too long after that, <laughs> we're in the car and we had a big old fight again, a really bad fight. And I was hearing myself say horrible things, things I knew I was going to regret later. And he was saying horrible things right back. And I thought, wow, this is, this is awful because I was so hopeful that wasn't going to happen again. And then it did. And I already, I knew that I knew what to do, but I couldn't get myself to do it. And it wasn't that the new stuff was so hard. It was just new. So I had this idea. I thought, well, if I can get my friends to do some of these things with me, 
and they're complaining about their marriages too, right? So I thought, I'll make them do it. We'll all do it together. And then maybe that'll give me what sure, I need. Sure, support. Know, it's like a workout support. buddy, right? Yeah, workout buddy. So I did that. So I got a little support group in my living room. There was five of us. It was amazing, actually, because I was saying, okay, try this, say this, or, you know, do that or whatever. And two things happened. One is we started seeing miracles all around. I remember one woman said, oh, my husband uh, won the sales contest at work. He took her on the most romantic vacation of their lives. And they, you know, that hadn't been happening. And then another one said, oh, this isn't going to sound big to you guys, but this was a miracle at my house. She said, we've been fighting for months about him painting the family room. And she said, he got up and he painted the family room and he did it with a smile. So she's like, we were like, woo, something's working here. So that, that was one part. And then the other part was that I did get the inspiration and the motivation, the uh, encouragement that I needed. Like I'd be thinking about saying something to my husband. I thought, oh, those women are counting on me to do the things I'm telling them to do. So I didn't want to be that hypocritical, right? So, and I, and I got there too. I ended up having the marriage I dreamed of where, you know, my husband will just be passing me in the hall and he'll just grab me at the waist and pull me in, give me a kiss. Or, uh, you know, one time I was, brushing the crumbs off the counter on the on the kitchen island you know I'm doing this and he goes oh don't move and he gets out his phone and starts taking my picture like I'm the supermodel that he's been married to for 33 <laughs> years and I thought wow this this is pretty great so one of the women in that support group said hey why don't you write down what we're doing because my cousin in Florida wants to know and I was like sure and we're in California so I thought okay sure I'll write it down so that became uh, my first book, which became a New York Times bestseller, which is published in 19 languages in 30 countries and ended up starting this worldwide movement of women that practice the six intimacy skills. So that was scary. That was terrifying because I remember going on some of those shows you mentioned, right? Like The View and The Today Show. And that was pretty terrifying because prior to that, I'd just been the armchair quarterback of my husband's life, you know, just going to tell him what he should be doing. That was a lot less scary showing up for my own life was um yeah it was it was terrifying because and yeah. that that book was the empowered wife right well actually my first book came out over 20 years ago it was called the surrendered wife ah. and people hear that title and they think well i am not doing that and i i can see why they feel that way <laughs> but i think <laughs> i think people hear surrendered wife and they think it means like obedient wife or subservient wife or slave wife or something like that you know but i just think uh like surrendering is something we, we all have to do every day, right? If you're stuck in traffic, mm -hmm. you might wish the traffic would move, but you can't make it move. So you could say, well, I'm going to use this time to listen to music that I love or listen to an audiobook or a podcast that sure. I love. And uh, the same is true in my marriage, right? I can't control my husband, but I could decide to uh, take really good care of myself, you know, do things that make me happy. And that in turn improves the intimacy. So when I think about a surrendered wife, it's just somebody who... Um, is not trying to change her husband, but is really focusing on the things that are in her power to do to really bring out his best and, and by being her best self. Is that book still available, The Surrender oh, yeah. Wife? Oh, gosh, yeah. That'll be okay. on my tombstone, I'm sure, Surrender Wife, because <laughs> it's, it's it's a really big book. And it's where do they, a lot of copies. Where do so, they yeah. go to find that? Oh, well, actually, I would recommend The Empowered Wife now. That's my most recent book. In fact, I just released the updated and expanded Empowered Wife book because you know what happened, Lori, is uh, so I wrote that book, you know, right after I discovered these intimacy skills and uh, they are fantastic. And but they've been it turns out these things are they are so deep. They are a lifetime journey. I've been practicing them for over 20 years. 
and I'm just still learning more. And now that I, you know, I wrote the books and then I started this coaching organization because women kept reaching out and asking for support with implementing those skills, which are very simple, but kind of tricky sometimes if you, we all have things in our blind spots, right? That help sure. kind of can make it hard to implement. Uh, so I started the coaching organization and then uh, the podcast I wrote, I thought, you know, now I know more. I want to write a book based on, you know, I've, I've helped over 15,000 women fix their relationships that they thought were completely hopeless relationships to alcoholics, to narcissists, to uh, uh, physical abusers, to men who are living with the other woman and say that it's over. I mean, we see miracles. They blow my mind. They blow my mind. And I never saw any of this coming. I was just trying to get my husband to clean up a little more. So that's impressive. So let's go back to what those gold nuggets are. What, yes. what are those things? Those are the, they call them the six intimacy skills. And they are, ooh, they're magic. They're absolute magic. And uh, so I am not a mission in world divorce. So I want every woman to have all this information. So I'm more than happy to go into all of it. But what I've found is, I'm not going to be able to give her everything in 30 minutes in this podcast, right? So sure. anyway, I'll give her some more stuff, but um, but let's, and it's kind of interesting. Like I've noticed, like they say the word water doesn't quench your thirst, you know? So I could say the word water, water, water. It's not going to quench anybody's thirst. But what I want to do is um, there's a few, if we could just touch on at least a few of those skills and I could, um, I could you know, I'd, be, I'd just love to show some women show the women who are listening, the things I learned that really brought the most magic the quickest so that I could transform my marriage. Because now we see women, it took me kind of a while to do it, right? Because I was trial and error. But now we see women do this really quickly. You notice the difference in about, within about the first, first two weeks, women say they feel like they have a new husband. Okay, share a couple. Okay, what, all right, what do you let's got? do, let's do uh, for sure, the very first one, indispensable step. And the, the one that everyone wants to skip too, but it's really a fun step is to do at least three things a day for frivolous fun. Yeah, just for joy, just to make you happy, just to make you smile or laugh or sing or dance, to relax, just to... And so I have women make a list of at least 20 things that bring them joy. And um, and sometimes we find that that's hard to do. It's harder to do than you might think. And uh, a lot of my students will say, well, I've been so-and-so's mom and so-and-so's wife and and I have a job and I got, you know, mortgage and housework and, and she hasn't been thinking about that, right? She's been thinking about how, how to serve sure. everyone else. So, so that's the first exercise and then just commit to doing at least three of them a day for your own happiness. And uh, I had a student, uh, Gabby, who actually was very hopeless about her marriage. She had five children and um, her husband was lying to her about things, flirting with a coworker, never wanted to be around, and even said, I, I wish we never had kids. And here, this was such a big part of her identity. And so she was really miserable. Uh, she even said she felt like she wanted to die because it was such an unhappy marriage, 20 year marriage. So she decided she was gonna start doing the intimacy skills to try to fix it, even though she was pretty sure that wasn't gonna work. So she started doing some things to delight herself for this uh, suggestion and it was really working like she had been waiting every weekend she would just wait for him to say what the plans were in case he wanted to spend time with her and the kids and she ended up feeling like a statue like she's just waiting and waiting and then then she'd be mad because he never really planned the things that she wanted to do anyway so she started just kind of doing her own thing and finding some things that she loved to do and getting happy and then she was uh one day she was uh listening to a podcast that she loves and she was folding the laundry 
And so, um, and all of a sudden her husband comes over and he wants to talk to her and she's thinking, but I'm listening to my podcast right now. Like I'm busy, you know? And she's like, oh no, no, I always wanted this to happen. Wait, wait, he wants to talk to me. So she, she was just delighted. And then she said, she thought, you know, I'm already winning with this. Like, even if it doesn't fix my marriage, like I'm happier because she took responsibility for her own happiness. Yeah. And then she said she heard him, like she overheard him talking to their oldest son and they were kind of talking like friends. And it just really warmed her heart. And then she's heard him doing it with all the kids. And really, so, and her marriage just kind of came back to life out of nowhere. And she said she started to feel, instead of feeling like she was older and not as attractive, he would be rushing home from work to be with her. And she started to feel gorgeous. So just from that one aspect of the, of the six intimacy skills, she was really having a lot of wins. So that's the first thing that I really want to invite every woman to think about making her priority. You know, I imagine that works so well for a couple of reasons. One is because um, when we quit focusing on what they're not doing and we're focusing on what we can do, then we are not only happier ourselves, but when they see us being happy and being full of life and doing things that we enjoy, then we're bringing back a light into the relationship naturally that's going to attract them. Exactly, Lori. And this is who he fell in love with, right? Is the the I call her the girl of fun and light. And I'm, yeah, I'm calling... I'm calling you a girl, even though you're well over 12, because every woman has that inner, just want to have fun girl, like in that profound anthem by Cindy Lauper, where she talks about this. <laughs> and this is who we go back to being when we're just really enjoying ourselves and just feeling love it. Light. Yeah, and love are, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've asked uh, thousands of men to, uh, I've asked them, uh, how important is it to you that your wife is happy? And do you know, they all said the same thing. They said, ah, it's the most important thing or, oh, that's everything. And in the United Kingdom, they say it's imperative. So, you know, is your husband really so different? He just wants you to be happy. Well, and when you are in a relationship and they can feel you being miserable all the time for whatever those reasons are, that makes them feel like a failure, you know, it whether it's their fault or not, there's there's a something there that makes them. And yeah, so you can see how that would, on multiple levels, that would work, which seems so simple, really, and also indulgent to think, I just get to focus on things that bring me joy. And yet you see the multiple levels it could work on. I love that. Yeah, it does work on multiple levels. And it it's such a common mistake. I know I was making it that I... I thought it was my husband's job to make me happy. <laughs> I was like, why isn't he making me happy? Well, mm. no one else can do that. Only so I true. can do that. And then I, you know, from here, it's it's going to sound so obvious, but it was such an epiphany for me to realize like, oh, only happy people have happy relationships. Like, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so first I have to be happy. Nice. Then I can have a happy relationship. So nice. Yeah. So it's a common mistake. So what's number two? Well, the, the second common mistake that I was certainly making and so many women make is uh, being too helpful. And um, and it's funny because you think, well, what do you mean too helpful? Like, of course I'm helpful. I'm his wife. I'm supposed to help him. And um, I know uh, for me, I was really just over helping. You know, I was helping him with his resume. I was helping him. Uh, well, you know, gosh, look at his underwear. He really, someone's got to buy some more <laughs> for him. And, and just so many making doctor's appointments. Instead of being the the wife and lover I set out to be, I was more like his mother mother. And men are just not uh, sexually attracted to their mothers, thank goodness. And women are not sexually attracted to their little boys either. So it just kind of has a chilling effect on both sides. So I had become much too helpful. 
And I, there's this little cheat phrase that I love to use. And uh, I'll tell you, um, one of my students, Kathy Murray, actually, uh, when she first got the book, she decided to experiment with this phrase too. She and her husband, they were on their second marriage. They had a blended family, two kids from each of them. And she decided they, they'd been sleeping in separate beds for six months and really were kind of on the verge of divorce, a second divorce. So she decided she had nothing to lose. She was going to experiment with this cheat phrase that she had just learned from reading the book. So he said to her, um, oh, uh, Kathy, I need you to tell me what you want me to do with the cell phone plan. So she was a CFO of a large private school, huge private school. So she had a big job. She's really good at what she did, but she was bringing the same skills into the marriage. She was trying to help her husband manage the finances better, right? Being a little too helpful, possibly. And it was having a chilling effect because he knew that she didn't really trust him with the finances, that he might pick a crummy plan or he might spend too much money on it. And so she decided, but all of a sudden she decided she's going to experiment with this phrase she just read about. So she, he said, what do you want me to do with the cell phone plan? And she said, oh, uh, Doug, whatever you think. And he just <laughs> looked at her funny, like, what is going on here? Who are you? What have you done with my wife? And he said, no, I, I really need you to tell me what you want me to do because he didn't want to get in trouble later on, right? He knew the, the drill. And so she just thought, I'm sticking with this. So she, she repeated it. She said, no, whatever you think, Doug. And then she added, I trust you. So Doug went away and figured out the cell phone plan. And she was afraid he was going to screw it up, but he, he did fine, right? <laughs> and she realized he didn't really need her help. And then he came over to her that night and he put his hand on her shoulder and he said, you are so nice today. And tears just rolled down her cheeks. They slept in the same bed that very night. And she'd been going to counseling once a week by herself, by the way, to complain about Doug every week uh, for an hour a week, which, by the way, no one ever got happier that way by complaining about your spouse for right. an hour a week. Yeah. It seems like it's going to help, but it just really doesn't help. And so the next day she fired her counselor and she, uh, she came to train with me. She's now a, ma a master relationship coach. And she still gets tears in her eyes when she talks about how tragic it would have been to throw out this man over 20 years now that they've had this renewed relationship where she practices all the intimacy skills and he's just the man of her dreams so it would have been sad if uh, if she hadn't learned a different way you know i think besides the i don't know again i think this one is multi-dimensional besides the fact that you know they don't necessarily need you to be their secretary that that level of Trusting them as a partner can go a long way. I need to work on that. <laughs> well, me too, Lori. And so this is why I say the intimacy skills are so deep. Right after 20 years of practicing them, I was still, I apologize for being disrespectful just a couple of days ago now. And so as soon as I get to be perfect with them, I'll send everyone a postcard and let them know what that's like. But um, <laughs> it is a kind of a lifelong journey. And the interesting part is that on the other side of all this, this terrible marriage that I had before, um, was the best self-improvement program I've ever mm. undertaken. You know, it really helped me uh, regain my dignity and just like a, a self-awareness and a, an ability to honor myself in a way that um, I just wasn't capable of, hadn't been trained in. Prior. That's a win-win. It is. It's a huge win-win. A huge. So, so you want to share the third secret? I really do. I really do. I can't awesome. leave without sharing this one. Okay. So the third one, the third mistake that I think a lot of women are making is that we don't um, we don't really know what we want, and we 
don't express what we want. And I know for me, I thought that I was expressing what I wanted because I, I used to say things like, um, this kitchen is a disaster area. And I thought my husband was going to like jump off the couch and then start cleaning the kitchen. But that that never happened. And I have this theory that people can't even really hear us when we complain. I, you know, I'd say, John, blah, 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 blah. That's, you know, you can hear like the peanuts parents, right? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he didn't know what I want. I wasn't expressing my desire. And I have a really tragic, embarrassing story about this, which is from before we were married, where he took me on a getaway to Hawaii, romantic getaway. And we were a pretty new couple. And so I was super excited the first day because I thought, we are going to go to the beach. And I love going to the beach. I cannot wait to go to the beach. Uh, but instead of saying that, I said, uh, what, do, what do you think we should do today? And he said, let's go see a volcano. And I was like, oh, yeah, a volcano. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't want to do that at all, but I did not want to have a conflict either. So I thought, I'm just going to suck it up. I'll go see this volcano. And we're driving in the rental car. And you can't see a volcano for a long time. You're just like, there's little molten rocks on the side of the road. And so I thought, oh, this is such a waste of time. And I want, you know, and then he started saying, well, uh, is everything okay? Is something wrong? And that's when I said, and I quote, mm. did you think it would be fun? Because I didn't think it was fun at all. I wanted to go to the beach and you didn't even ask me what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in the And um, anyway, so he got to see a volcano. All right. <laughs> this, not the kind he was imagining. Uh, and I feel so sad for that younger version of me who... Uh, I had no idea how to express my desires. And if you can't say what you want, you're never going to get what you want. Mm. So he took me to the beach after that, even though I behaved so badly, because turns out he just wanted me to be happy. Mm. So I have a much better way. I have a cheat phrase for expressing desires in a way that inspires him. Now, that is absolute magic. And so I'd love to just... Um, tell everybody what that is and I, I feel like if you're listening and you can write this down write this down it's really good so it starts out cheap phrases I would love and then you just add the final outcome I would love and then just the final outcome and so um, sometimes a woman will say well um, you know I want him to make more money and that's not a final outcome yet that's about what you want there's some control in that and stuff too so uh, so then I'll drill down and say, well, what would you have that you don't have now if he made more money? She said, well, I need new uh, new boots. I could buy things. I could buy things. She'll say, I, I could buy things. And then I'll say, well, you know, what would you buy? I, I need new boots. So for her, it would just be, I would love new boots, right? That's it. You don't no need to go into how it's done or that he needs to make more money. It could be, he says, use the tax return or you could get, you know, your mom could give you something for birthday money. Who knows, right? We just... Just, but honoring that desire is, is uh, uh, just a really a magical thing. So there was one of my students uh, was using the six intimacy skills along with the the connection framework, which is the system that we use, um, to try to fix her marriage after her husband said that he was divorcing her and there was no hope and they were living in the house separated with like uh, just no talking whatsoever and no touching, no nothing. So she was using all the six intimacy skills and then she decided she was going to experiment with expressing her desires in a way that inspires one day. And she said to him, they're both in the living room, but, you know, separate. And she said, um, she just said out loud, I would love a leg massage. And he turned to her and he said, oh, do you, do you want it right now? And her heart starts beating out of her chest because she's like, oh, my God, I think he's offering to give me a leg <laughs> massage. And they, were, they weren't even talking, right? Much less touching. 
And so she said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, now. And he said, okay, you know what, sit down right here. And then he massaged her legs. And that was the beginning of them reconciling. They're still married now, and uh, she has a much happier marriage. In fact, he ended up clearing out the backyard and building a fire out there so they could sit outside and hold hands after this. And all, you know, from this one desire, you know, I mean, she was doing all the skills, but um, it was just kind of amazing to her how to see how much he wanted to make her happy. And, and so what's key about that story to me is imagine if she had said, oh, my legs hurt. My legs hurt, which she probably was feeling, right? That's why she wanted a leg massage. He would not have known what to do. That would just be complaining. He would just think, yeah, how do I make her happy? I don't know. But because she expressed the desire, he was able to fulfill on that. And now, and this is not the skill you want to use for, like, let's say you want some passion or you want some, you want to hug, uh, you want to spend time together. You won't need to do any of that because when you implement all the skills, your natural magnetism returns. You become an irresistible magnet. Mm. Uh, so you don't need to, and it just never felt good. I used to do that, you know, in all the books they'd say, you know, I'm deeply concerned about your lack of affection and you need to step that up or whatever. But it's just always felt so bad to have to ask for that. I didn't want him to do it because I asked for it. I wanted him to be like, oh, you know, you're just amazing. I just want to, I just want to hug you. I just want to kiss you. I just want to hold your hand and, you know, spend time gazing into your eyes, right? So, so you don't want to use it for that, but for everything else you want, and if you're like most women, you want a lot of things like me, then this is a fantastic phrase for expressing your desires in a way that inspires them. So if you get, if you, let's say you need more help around the house or more help with the kids or, you know, or just wanted to be more present, would this be the yes. step you would use with that? It could be for sure. Like, let, well, let's, you, you combine two things in there for me. I'm going to separate them out. It's really subtle, but um, yeah. you want more help with the kids? then yes, that's this is where you want to express a desire. Like, let's say you want the night off from bedtime ritual or you want to be able to sleep in or something like that. That could be, you could say, you know what? I would just love to sleep in tomorrow morning, right? Or or I would just, or I like I would love, uh, I would love a clean house or I would love uh, all the kids to be bathed, something like that. You could totally do that. But if you want him to be more present, that kind of falls into his like time, attention or affection for me. And for that one, you know, it just doesn't feel that good to ask for that. <laughs> so I, I say, uh, you know, instead for me, that one's just, you know, you practice that first one we talked about, make that list of 20 things that bring you joy, make you really happy. And I promise you, like I, I'll notice like the world will seem really dark and things are terrible or something. And then I'll think, oh, you know what? I probably just need a nap and then I'll take a nap. And then I get up and things look a lot better. And then all of a sudden my husband can't get enough of me. Right. And all I did was take a nap, but, uh, but I was really <laughs> attentive to my own joy and happiness. Mm. So, uh, you, you mentioned, um, in your stuff that there's a way to skyrocket the passion in a relationship, <laughs> yeah. even if you're in a sexless marriage, oh, yes, what, what does is. that mean? Oh, well, you just have to <laughs> use the best aphrodisiac on the planet for men. And what's that? Oh, you didn't know there was an aphrodisiac for men and it's free and it works really fast. And anyone can use it. <clears throat> yes. Well, there is. And the aphrodisiac, as, and as I say it, if you're anything like I was, it's embarrassing. You're kind of not going to know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to say, I'll say it anyway. And the aphrodisiac is respect. It's respect. And we all think we know what that means, right? When we've all, I mean, I know I heard it my whole life growing up that men need respect. You should respect your husband. 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. And I was like, I do, except for the way he dresses and the way he drives and I, he doesn't eat very healthy. Right. So it was like, I respect, but I didn't, you know, I was very dismissive. So super disrespectful. I did not realize that respect meant treating him as though he was capable and competent, ex really expecting the best from him. That even when I was saying to him, like, drive safe, in a way, it's like, you know, you're probably not going to, you know, you might get in an accident. There's a little subtext, right, to a lot of the things I was saying that, that were incredibly disrespectful. And so, you know, a new pair of perspectacles, and I put those on, and I realized I'd been so disrespectful. One of the cheat phrases that has just been mind-blowingly changed our relationship is being able to apologize for being disrespectful. And I'll give you a quick story on this. My husband took me to a swanky restaurant uh, just not that long ago. And uh, so Saturday night, places just buzz and the waiters are flying by. We're just having a really nice time. And he's telling me stories. And then he's talking about work. And he says, uh, oh, and I said something about one of his clients. And I just said something like about how he should prioritize his clients or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like the music stops, the people at the bar stop laughing, the waiters stop, and then everything stops. My husband gets this look on his face, and I'm like, what just happened? And I thought, oh, uh, what did I say? I, I said something about his work. And then I, I thought, oh, I, I go, was that was that disrespectful? I wasn't ready to be accountable yet, you know? I just was kind of checking it out. And he was like, yeah. Because what I'd really done was told him how to run his business. He'd had his business for a long time. So he didn't need me to tell him how to run it. <clears throat> and that was really me saying the subtext is like, you're not that good at running your business. So let me just kind of get in here and be the armchair quarterback again, right? Like the old days, bad old days. So um, and I said, oh, is that disrespectful? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, oh, oh. And I said, okay. I go, well, I apologize for being disrespectful when I criticize your client. And all of a sudden the music comes back and the people start laughing and the waiters come and my husband gets relaxed again and our good night is saved. Our good time is still on. We are not in a cold war or a big blow up. We are uh, relaxed and enjoying each other's company and feeling connected again. And uh, let me just tell you, it works wonders for a sexless marriage because that is the number one thing that husbands want from their wives. I think a lot of us think it's, it's sex but it's actually not, it's respect. And you can never do anything that's sexier than treat your husband as though he is competent and capable and expect the best from him. You know, that has come up a couple of times in all of the things that you've shared with us. And I, I absolutely feel that as well in my relationships. I think that that's gospel and taking some time to really think about that and how it's present or not present is gosh, really, really key. So. The most common mistakes then, if we were to take a couple minutes and say, what are the most common mistakes that you see women making when they're trying to get their husband's attention or affection? You've kind of shared some of them and, you know, in, in the other realm of what you should do. So showing disrespect, um, which would include what being naggy or, you know, I don't know, take us there. What are some of those main well, mistakes? Some more embarrassing stories of mine. One was I used to uh, put my hands on my hips go out and say, you know, the average couple has sex two two and a half times a week and we haven't done it in three weeks. So I think we should do it, you know, and that was my <laughs> house deductive, right? But uh, it, was, it was very controlling and uh, it was entirely disrespectful. I thought he was going to jump off the couch and sweep me away into the bedroom and that never happened, not once. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, I have this list of the top 10 ways to control your husband. 
and um, none of them work. None of them work. But there is a fun list because I, I think a lot of women read that. You can go to my blog and, and read that list if you want because uh, it's so relatable. I think a lot of it just, um, I, I'm not sure where we all got it, but we, some, you know, I know for me, there were a lot of times I thought I knew better than my husband how to do things. And my husband's been dressing himself since before I was born, but I thought maybe I could dress him better somehow. So these are some of the very common. I, I remember I frowned at the lettuce that he bought at the store because, I mean, he bought iceberg. And let's face it, there's that is nutritionally devoid of, yeah. So, um, but that, that's what he bought, right? So, it, there, being in a relationship is really about kind of broadening your horizons and, and seeing even yourself from another person's perspective, having that mirror there. And I found that to be such a valuable gift. It's really a, uh, a self-improvement dojo, like the work environment for working on the character I want to cultivate. And so I'm so happy now that I had this breakdown in my marriage that forced me against my will to go through that door marked introspection and self-awareness and self-development because uh, the gifts, the gift is the dignity that I feel and the better relationship, not just with him, but with everyone in my life, because I have skills. Now I have the very skills you need in order to cultivate a wonderful connection. Uh, so that gift has been immeasurable. Oh, I imagine. So what if women are having a hard time getting their husband to engage in conversation or deep conversation? Is there a trick to that? <laughs> yes, there is. Oh, I have a good cheat phrase for this too. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't resist. I got to tell it to everyone. All right. So there's like, I think there's like 20 cheat phrases or something. So we could go on all day. But one of the things that um, I thought that respect meant was that you had to uh, agree with what you're, if you, you know, like it's sort of kind of like we, parents or teachers or bo your boss or something, you just kind of have to suck it up and go, oh yeah, and be a yes person. That's why I thought it was so hard to be respectful. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't agree with all the things he's saying. But another like really uh, integral part of loving someone is just uh, bearing witness, just listening without necessarily agreeing or disagreeing. And so one of the phrases that lets me do that is this cheap phrase I use all the time, now with everyone, which is, uh, I hear you, I hear you. I remember we were, we were at lunch one time and um, he was talking about training for a marathon and um, he loves training for marathons. I don't so much, uh, but I, I'm not interested in that really. But he was he was explaining about his training routes and where he's going to leave. He was going to get his water and it, it just, you know, how many miles he was going to run. And and um, I just remember thinking like, it's his voice and his ideas and his face and he's my beloved and he's telling it to me and I get to witness. And it was a very intimate moment. Uh, you know, I was just listening. I was just saying, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And uh-huh. And and that is, this is a big part of, um, you know, everyone needs to be heard and seen and understood. And so it was just amazing to me that I could, it was kind of a mundane moment. It's like everyday moment. And that is where the intimacy happens. So just using this phrase, I hear you. And he might be talking about politics and say something that's like completely the opposite of what I think, but it's not about what I think. It's, it's about, you know, in that moment, it's me. Um, being a fantastic conversationalist because I'm a good listener who just says, I hear you. I didn't agree. I didn't disagree. I'm just listening. 
Laura, do you think that these can be turned around for the men that are listening and applied as well? Respect seems like a very universal thing for all people, right? Could they use some of these same tips to improve their relationships with their wives? Oh, well, especially the one we just talked about, right? I hear you. This is a powerful phrase for anybody, everybody to become a great listener, a great conversationalist. So I totally agree that a lot of things can can work both ways. But an interesting part for me, and one of the things that these wise women taught me so many years ago about marriage that I hadn't seen coming was, uh, so I'm well-educated, I'm a feminist, and I knew that my opinion counted, and um, that's great and everything. But um, I think one of the things I failed to realize that I, that I picked up from them was that I actually have special gifts and powers as a woman that uh, men and, and really the world kind of depends on us to bring uh, to the relationship and to the world. Like, um, for instance, emotional brilliance. Like they did a study at the University of Toronto and they found this out. I'm glad you're sitting down as I tell you this. They found out that um, women are more emotional than men. So shocker, <laughs> right? I mean, something new. <laughs> that was like research money well spent, right? So, but, but the reason that's fun, it's funny to think about is because like, duh, we know that already, that women are more emotionally brilliant. We're the ones, we're the ones that are good at figuring out how we feel and, and expressing that. And if we don't do that, you know, in the relationship, like men aren't, they aren't as good at that. They just really aren't. So, and I used to think that I had to get my husband to talk about his feelings in order for us to have the intimacy I was craving. It didn't really go well. I'd be like, how do you feel? And he was like, um, hungry. I'm definitely hungry. You know, I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's not what I mean. Uh, so it was, it was frustrating, but anyway, so I think there is, it's really has been helpful for me. And I think for a lot of my students too, for thousands of my students who have fixed their marriages to try on some of the things that we think of as even traditional like I like I loved I really wanted to feel desired in my marriage I just really wanted that I wanted to feel desired I wanted to feel adored I wanted to feel cherished and taken care of and um, my husband loves being my hero he just you know I'll just say like oh I would love a cup of tea he's like I'll make you a cup of tea or you know or um, I would love sushi for dinner he's like I'm gonna get you sushi right they just and not just my husband I, that's where I saw it first, but, um, and I wouldn't have believed it because I thought he didn't care about my happiness at all. So it's been interesting to see some of the universality of what we consider like traditional roles in marriage and how helpful it can be to, just to try it on. It doesn't mean that men are this way and women are that way necessarily. You don't have to stereotype or generalize, but you can just try on for yourself. Like, is this true for me? And like, oh, it is. Is that true for my husband? Oh, oh, it is, or it's not whatever. But then it gives you some place to, some things to experiment with to find out if they work for you. You're the expert on your own life. You get to decide, is this me or am I just rejecting it out of hand? Because we thought that would give us less opportunity at work, maybe if we did uh, embrace some of these things. Laura, this is great stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell people where they can find you and the things that you have available to help them with relationships? Yeah, I have something really fun going on right now. We have an Adored Wife Roadmap, and I just recommend everyone go and grab this. It's at lauradoyle.org 
slash road or it's, well, it's right on the homepage, I think, but slash roadmap. What you'll get there is there's a, a, a high level overview of the all the six intimacy skills, which we didn't get to all of them today, of course, but I'd love for every woman to get that. And then it talks about the top three mistakes most women make when they're trying to get their husband's time, attention and affection. And then it kind of also, um, I'll, I'll be inviting them to, I'll, I'll share a little bit more intimately about my story with them via email. Uh, if you, you know, if you opt in to that list, you can get that. And uh, the other thing I'd invite you to is to the Empowered Wife podcast, where every week I interview a student who had a hopeless situation, really challenging, painful, awful marriage situation that she has transformed completely uh, with the intimacy skills. It's super inspiring. So you can get that wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple and App, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeart and everywhere else. I feel like we've gotten so many great tips to start off with here. Thank you. And I love that there's a, a free download for the listeners. Listeners, loveyourstorypodcast.com. In the show notes, we'll have links to all of those things as well. So you can find them there. And Laura, any final parting thoughts that you want us to know that we haven't talked about? Mm. Well... I guess just that no matter where you are, no matter what the pain point in your marriage is that, um, or in, in any of your relationships really, that there's just so much hope. And I think that was really something that was lost on me when I was struggling in my marriage. Like I really thought it was just gonna be like this forever. And let's not forget ever. And um, so I think if there was anything I would want to impart, it would just be that there's so much hope for you that, I think of what Norman Vincent Peale said, always see the possibilities for they are always there. Mm, hope is such a powerful word. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you, being Lori. here. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Renee Brown defines connection as, quote, the energy that is created between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they give and receive without judgment, unquote. Personal relationships, especially with our significant other, are key to our health and our happiness. It's key to a fulfilling life. And things that are important often take a lot of work. Today, we've had some great tips from Laura. And you know what? These tips aren't even difficult. They're just things to remember to shift just a little bit. So that's kind of refreshing that it's not knock down, drag out, horrible work. Just, just some shifts and understanding. So if there are some weak spots in your relationship, you're not already doing these things, start with some of Lara's advice and see what shifts for you. It's always about taking action. Things don't change unless we take intentional action, unless what we've been doing in the past changes, right? And today we've got some good ideas to pay attention to. So your challenge, should you choose to implement it, is choose at least one of these things that she talked about and do a little trial and error and see how that works for you. And again, her contact information and links for her books and blog and stuff like that will be in the show notes at loveyourstorypodcast.com. So thank you for being here. We will see you in two weeks for the next fabulous episode, which I have such good ones this year on the Love Your Story podcast. And please just down at the bottom of the show, if you click on the three dots, it lets you share the episode. Share this with somebody else who would love to have just a little bit, tweak things a little bit in their relationship for a better loving connection with their significant other. So share this with as many people as you can. And we'll see you in two weeks.
Thanks for being here.